Sherry. Hey, thank you for letting me be here today. You guys can be seated and uh, welcome to Lighthouse. But what a gift and a pleasure for me to be able to be here with you. My heart is here. And as Jamie said, I used to live here in Ireland. My wife actually, who's not here today, she's with her parents who pastor a church and her brother who pastors a church down in Port Leash. And so she's with them. But we used to live here. And I remember when I first started dating my wife, she told me, she said she wanted to spend a season of her life in Ireland. She had her, she, you know, her parents are, uh, she's a citizen actually. So she grew nice. up here, but she's uh, a citizen. All our kids are actually dual citizens. Nice. And so she said, I want to spend a season in Ireland. I remember at the time I'm living in America on the far side of America, as far away from Ireland as you can possibly imagine. <laughs> and uh, I just was, I, I, I thought, you know what, like, yes, but I've never been there. And I remember making a decision in my heart to say, you know what, if it's on your heart, and I really like you and want to marry you, and you're beautiful, yeah. then yes, I'm willing to take it onto my heart. Yeah. And so I learned something about marriage right at the beginning, is that whatever's on the other person's heart, you'd grab. And so I did, I grabbed yeah. it, but the Lord wooed me, and he, actually I started having dreams and visions about this nation before I ever showed up. Wow. And uh, my heart fell in love with the people of Ireland mm. the moment I stepped foot on the ground. This wow. is an incredible Come place. On. The Lord is doing awesome things. Yeah. For the last 18 years, I've been coming back and forth almost every year. Minus wow. a few like random pandemics and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's been amazing to come here. And every time I come, I fall in love with the people. Americans think that the true treasure in Ireland is the land. But when you show up, you find out that the real gift, the treasure of this nation is the people within yes. it. And That's so right. I love being here. And as Jamie said, I pastor a church in the States. We eventually, we moved back. My dad retired and transitioned him out of ministry yeah. into retirement. He's still there at the church and preaches. And my mom and dad are doing well. And so that's cool to be a part of that. But yeah. I get to pastor an awesome church called Joy Church in Bend, Oregon. If you ever get the chance, please come to my home. Mm -hmm. It's a great place. I know Jamie and Lude come and visit us, which is just a treat and a treasure for us. And they are good friends. And so yeah. we've actually been praying, whether you know this or not, is that there are churches all over the world that care about you. Wow. Think about you and pray for you. You That's are so one cool. of the churches. Yeah. Both Lighthouse in Navin and Lighthouse here in Blanche. We as a church actually have taken you on as a church to say we want we want to partner with you in prayer and encouragement. And we, we do. We pray for you on a regular wow, basis. Whether you know it or not, every time That's that so you're good. meeting, there are people on the other side of the earth that are praying for you. That the Holy wow. Spirit would be here. That, that people would meet Jesus for the first time, so that you would experience true life change, and that you would find hope in Jesus Christ yeah. every single yeah. time you connect with someone in the church. And so we love you. We're for you. We're excited yeah. about what's going to happen in Dundalk. Yeah. I know myself and Josh, yeah. Pastor Josh, were here this week and went to the Dundalk, Dundalk Interest Meeting. It was fantastic. Absolutely amazing to see. Uh, you guys are excited yeah. about going, and we want to get behind you and say, hey, how do we do this? And so what a joy for me to be here today. Thank you for for letting me be a part. I know that Jamie's not here, but his true claim to fame is that he's my friend. Yeah. That's what makes him famous, is our friendship. So uh, also for me, that's what that's what my true claim to fame is. I yes. love Jamie. Jamie's an incredible man. Jamie and Lude are incredible leaders. And yes. man, what a, what a, what a gift to be able to know them, to love yeah, them, and to yeah. serve alongside That's with right. them. So thanks for letting me be here today. I'm looking forward to being here. I have a word that I really is on my heart. I've been praying and asking the Lord, Lord, what is it? And I really feel that today I want to talk about the journey of faith that we're all on. Wherever we are in the journey of faith, that we're on a journey to actually to, to walk out in faith. And so journey is I'm going to, I'm going to, or faith is I'm going to determine it today or define it today is actually not acquired at the end. It's acquired on the journey. That's how we acquire faith, is that we acquire piece by piece on the journey. So good. Um, 
I don't know about you, but I have you ever you ever found yourself in a place where you had like a wild idea, and you thought to yourself, "Man, I would really like to do this crazy thing." And um, every once in a while, I say those ideas out, out loud. And when I say them out loud, you ever had someone next to you, you say this stupid, crazy idea, and you think it's probably not even possible, it could never happen, and it would be dangerous, and we probably shouldn't do it, but you say it anyway, and someone next to you goes, yeah, let's do it. Wow, yeah. You ever had that happen to you? Yeah. I'm, I'm typically the person who, I am the instigator, instigator, this is like the story of my life. I have these great ideas, and then the people next to me egg me on, and they get me to do these crazy things. And so uh, I remember, I, I'm often the instigator, which I, I totally realize that, but when a crazy idea is thrown out, I'm also not the person to dissuade. I'm usually the one that's like, yeah, that sounds crazy, we should do it. Yeah. Anyone, anyone else in the room crazy like that? You're thinking like, I like to do crazy things and crazy ideas. Uh, so I constantly throw out ideas to see if we can do this, and I also completely understand that, that this is how people often die is when you act on a crazy idea and someone says, yeah, let's do it, you find yourself in absolute trouble. And I can't tell you the amount of times I've found myself in absolute trouble and thinking to myself, this was my idea. I did this to myself. Yeah, yeah. This is how Ben Miller's life is going to finish. Right now, in this moment, this is what's going to happen. Uh, it's funny, it's three years ago, I was moose hunting, sorry, three years ago, I was moose hunting in Alaska. So I'm from America, and I, where I live is rivers and lakes, and we have all kinds of animals, and sometimes you don't understand it until you move there, but we have over 10,000 lions, mountain lions, that live Whoa. in our neighborhood. So, so we live in what we call the Wild West, and we, I, I love to hunt, and it's either be prey or... Or, 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 or die. So yeah. you have to, you know, like you have to hunt. You have to be the predator. So I love to hunt. So three years ago, I find myself in Alaska, which is not Oregon, but it's in another place with some friends. And we're moose hunting. If you've ever seen a moose, if you ever, you know, moose are amazing. They're over a thousand pounds. Yeah. They are, you know, they can be up to almost, you know, 1,600 pounds. They're incredible animals. So I thought, man, I'd love to go moose hunting. So I went with a group of friends and we're out moose hunting and we're looking for moose. And uh, as we're looking around, we didn't see any moose. And, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm bored because I'm not seeing anything. And so I kind of turn around. I'm looking up on the hills behind me. And what do I see? Not a moose. I saw a beautiful big black bear up in the hills. I said, Guys, there's a black bear up there. And so we actually decided, you know what we should do? We should go. We should work our way up to this thing. So we made our way all the way up to this black bear. We got close enough where we could actually see it and have a shot on it. My buddy was with me is that he was going to take the shot. You kind of determine who's going to take it first. And I remember at the time I had my gun in my backpack. So I didn't have a gun on me. My buddy was going to take the shot. And so I stood there. He was on the ground getting ready to set his shot. And I stood there with the binoculars watching just to make sure that everything yeah. hit right. Now, there, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but I have like a healthy fear of bears. Anyone else have a healthy fear of bears? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. like, whether, whether you've been one or not, like been close to one or not. So my, my great, great, great uncle John actually died from a grizzly bear attack. So oh, no. I have like this, I don't want to repeat that in my family. Yeah. I don't want the Miller name to be known as people who just died from bears. Yeah. So I, I, you know, like I have this healthy fear, but I'm like, okay, you know, take the shot. So my buddy takes this shot, hits the bear, and actually the first shot hit the bear in the heart. And, it, and it, it, you know, it starts going in circles. But the interesting thing about bears, you need to know this because you're going to learn a lot about bears today, is that the interesting thing about bears is that they're one of the only animals that you can hit in the heart and they can keep going. Most animals, if you hit them in the heart, they drop automatically, but not bears. So this bear goes in circles and then all of a sudden he stops, pointed straight at us, and starts charging. And I'm thinking to myself, yep, this is it. This is how I died. This is Ben Miller's end. It was a good one. I had a great run and I enjoyed it. 
And uh, it's running straight towards us. Of course, I'm saying, shoot again, shoot again. And he shoots and misses. Shoot again, he shoots and misses. Shoot again. And this thing is going from like 250 yards to 200 oh yards to 150 yards. And I'm sitting here like with my binoculars. Now I don't need binoculars, by the way. It's so close. I'm watching it get closer and closer. He's on the ground. I'm standing up. So it's coming for me. And I'm thinking, uh -oh. I'm going to lift him up at the last minute because he can eat him. I'm, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it out of here. Yeah. And I remember just about as far as it was to the end of the wall there, he shot, and it hit right in front of it and sprayed him in the face with, with gravel. He stopped, and him and I are staring at each other. Oh, no. <laughs> what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen? And all of a sudden, he stops, he turns, and he runs off into the bushes. Oh, like that was the day I didn't die from, yeah, you know, from the bear, God. which I was super thankful about. So, of course, in that moment, I'm with a group of, of, of my friends, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking like, hey, that was dangerous. I can't believe that we actually did that. You know, like, that was the most dangerous thing I had ever done or seen. And, uh, and I make a comment. I make a comment to a friend of mine. I said, you know, the next time we bear hunt, I'd like to do it from a boat. You want to switch this out? Do you want me to hold it up? No, your hand, your hand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for, thank you. Really, that was it. I like it. Thank you. So, I remember I make this comment. Because I'm sitting here, I almost died. And I said, next time I shoot, you know, we're, we're bear hunting, I'd like to do it from a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reality is, I'm thinking in my mind, yes. I probably shouldn't be bear hunting if I want to live. Yes. Into my 40s, I probably shouldn't be bear hunting. But I make this crazy comment. And you know what the guy next to me says? Great idea. Great idea. We should, we should now bear hunt from the boat. So for the next several years, him and I plan planted this wonderful bear hunt to go from a boat. The only reason I was thinking we should hunt from a boat is because I'd like a little distance between me and the animal that's yeah. chasing me. Yes. Because I want to live to, into my 40s. I'd like yes. to survive. And so he takes that as a we should go bear hunting on a boat trip, which is awesome. So we spent three years, um, we would say preparing, but I almost want to say avoiding like the inevitable of going on a bear hunt. And this last September, no joke, we decided to do a full-on bear hunt up in Alaska in the middle of nowhere. And we planned this thing for three years, we set it up, and as it comes closer, I'm thinking to myself that we're gonna go bear hunting and that there'll be this nice leisurely moment in which I can be on a safety of a boat yeah. and maybe take a shot at a bear and shoot the bear. Instead, he decided that we were gonna bear bait, which means we were going to try and attract the bear to us. Oh, my days. We were going to use the boat to get in and attract the bear to us. And I remember going, uh, what just happened? Like, what, what yeah. did we miss? So we were bringing out popcorn. No joke, by the way. Popcorn is, a, is, a, is an attractant for bears. And you're in a movie theater. So good luck. Yeah. If bears show up an island, good luck. And we brought out syrup. We had this big, huge barrel. And I remember we got out there in the middle of nowhere. For five days, we didn't see another airplane, boat, person, what? nothing. We saw more bears than we saw people. And it was absolutely incredible. We get out there in the middle of nowhere. And, of course, we go to an area. Because if you're going to hunt a bear, you want to go where the bears are. So we go to a bear, an area that's completely infested with bears. Wow. If you get a tag, you can shoot five bears. They don't care. So between us, we could take ten bears if we wanted to because there's so many in the area. Wow. And I remember sitting there, and we have this big barrel. We filled it full of popcorn, and we're starting to just just drop syrup over the whole thing, you know? Oh, and we're putting syrup everywhere, and you have this spray that you spray around so that it attracts them to the area. And then when we're done, we go on this itty-bitty ladder, and we climb up about 12 feet into a tree, and we sit and wait for the bear to come to us. And I'm thinking to myself, you know bears climb trees, right? Oh, my goodness. And we've just, we've just basically made ourselves a little honeypot here. And I remember I'm sitting here next to him thinking to myself, hey, 
I gotta keep my mouth shut. Like, I probably shouldn't make any more comments about bear hunting from a boat. And B, this is how Ben Miller dies. This wow. is it. This is what's yeah. going to happen. If one comes, and when one comes, like, we're, I'm gonna die. This is it, I'm finished. That's my life. And uh, we were a couple days in. Of course, every time you're moving around, you're scared to death. Because these aren't like small little black bears. What we did see is we're sitting up there, all of a sudden this black bear pops out right across the river where we are. It was the biggest black bear I've ever seen in my entire life. On all fours, standing up, its back was this high. Wow. 550 pound black bear. I don't know if you've ever seen a black bear, but it was massive. And I wow. remember thinking to myself, what a beautiful, beautiful creature wow. I do not want to die from. Ever. Yes. I don't want to die at all. Yeah. And uh, I remember watching this thing, and I'm starting to get scared. I'm thinking, what's going to happen? And we watched this beautiful bear that we now know lives in the area because they were everywhere, and you, could, you could, they're all around. But we didn't get it. We never got a shot on it. Actually, it started kind of coming. I didn't take my shot, and then it turned and went into the bushes at the last minute. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm not going to chase that thing in there at all. Like I'm just going to stay where I am. And I remember over and over again, it's like we're on a bear hunt. And you want to see the bear, but you also don't want to see yeah. the bear. You know, or like you want to see the bear yeah. in front of you. What if it shows up behind you? Yes. Yeah, like there's this just wonderful element of surprise. All starts with a good idea. And uh, from there, we actually, the bear, the bear went away. And the good news on the trip was we didn't get our bear. We went upstream and we ended up finding a moose. We got ourselves a thousand pound moose, which was complete, which was absolutely gorgeous. I, don't, yeah. I mean, if you're a hunter, you're excited for a thousand pound moose. That you can take home and have yeah. plenty of meat. It was totally worth it. When my buddy shot it, he shot it in the water and it just dropped and disappeared. Oh. Oh. So that happened. And uh, we're thinking, how are we going to get this moose out? We ended up, it floated. We actually floated it downstream for a mile. And we spent until three o'clock in the morning cutting this thing up. But wow. the entire time, we would say, bear check. And you'd look up because we were in the exact same area as the bear. So we'd look up and look around in the dark until three in the morning of like, I wonder if he's coming for us. Mm. You know, at this point, I'm not looking for him anymore. He's looking for me. Yeah. Amazing is that we were able to actually get a moose on a bear hunt and a bear on a moose hunt. The, uh, the point of the story is this, is that in the joy of hunting, what we find is that the joy of hunting is actually found on the journey. Mm. It's not found in the destination. Come on. Who cares if you get a moose or a bear? I do care if I stay alive. That yes. is one thing I do yes. care about. Yeah. But the true joy of hunting whatever you're hunting or whatever you're doing, is always found on the journey. Yeah. doesn't matter what you get. doesn't matter if you even come out and get nothing. The point was is that you enjoyed your time, yeah. is that you had a great time on the journey, that you learned things, that you did things that challenged you and that tested you, that put you into a place that thought, I'm not going to survive this one. Or you thought, this is the best day of my life. And it's true, the same in life, yeah. is that faith is actually acquired on the journey. Faith isn't a destination. It's not, it's not like all of a sudden you wake up someday and you get your super Christian, you know, gold star award and you have now gained faith. And you walk around thinking, man, I have faith. This is awesome. It's not like it's a, a level five Christianity or level five religion. Yeah. One, you know, all of a sudden you get to a place where you go, man, I have faith. But it's interesting when we look around and we see people. Isn't it amazing how we look at them and go, man, that one has faith. Yeah. That one has faith. Like when I, when I connect with Jamie, he's a good friend of mine. I look and I go, that guy has faith. He's got faith to believe for the impossible. He's got faith to press through. And I often wonder, at what point does he get that? Yeah. Like all of a sudden, do you just sign up, for, sign up for something and then they're like, great, here you go. Faith is attached to it. Faith is not the destination. In fact, it's not something that we arrive at. Faith is something very much that we find on the journey. In fact, faith, as the Bible determines it, 
is gained. Wow. It's earned. Come on. And it's gathered and acquired on the journey. Yeah, that's right. And so much of us desire to live a life of faith. We desire to, to have faith. And faith, as defined, is really this trust and belief in that whatever God says will happen. Mm -hmm. No matter what, yeah. when He makes a promise, it'll happen and He'll follow through. And so much of our lives, God will make a promise. And you'll hear something, you read something in the Word, and you think to yourself, are you sure? Are you sure you could do it through me? Are you sure you could do it through in my town, in my place, where I live, in my country? And so many times we doubt the Word of God. We doubt what He will do in and through His church and in and through His people. But faith is the belief that if He says it, He will do it. Yeah. And there are some people, when we meet them, we think, man, there's nothing that's impossible for God. I wish I could be like that. I wish there was a moment in which I could show up and just all of a sudden get this injection of faith. It's something I could buy. But the reality is, it's not purchased. Yeah. And it's not like all of a sudden you show up to it someday. Faith is the belief that today, God will fulfill His promises tomorrow. Yes. It's this belief that the faith, that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. And it's only found on a journey. Hebrews 11, 6 says this, It is impossible... To please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. As someone who is a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're here today and you're thinking, I don't know if I would consider myself a follower of Jesus. The moment you decide to give your life, your heart yeah. to Jesus, you start what they call a journey of faith. Yeah. And each and every one of us is at a different place on this journey because we have different gifts and God's created us for different things and That's no good. two of us are alike. Yeah. And God has actually, actually put us on a journey in which our faith grows and we get to grow it. And if you want to be on a journey of faith, you have to realize that it's actually a journey to grow. Yeah. And I've met so many people, I can tell you even in my own life, the moment you give your heart to Jesus, you think, man, maybe this is my safety parachute and it's all going to get easier now. I don't know if you've ever had that thought. It's like, no, this, this journey of faith is just going to get easy. But actually, life isn't easy. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed that, but I've noticed that. Yeah. It isn't easy. Sometimes it's really, really hard. In fact, our life is full of plot twists mm -hmm. and changes and delays and weather changes and disappointments and setbacks and bears. Yeah. Lots of bears. There's lots of bears. Our life doesn't just come easy. It's not like you make a decision to do something and it just works. Yeah. Maybe it seems like that for some people. But when you actually get to know them and take the time to hear their story, it never comes easy. True. There's something about life that requires us to get into a position to believe God for more than what we're experiencing. That's right. To believe Him for more in the next season. Yeah. And not just say, hey, what I have is it. But actually to have a dream and say, God, yeah. what are you going to do? What's going to happen? And I want to encourage you today in the life of Paul. I want to look at him in just a minute here. But I want to encourage you that, that faith comes on the journey. And it might not be easy, and it's not an easy journey. That when we go through the, the hard times, when we go through the ups and downs and the delays and the setbacks, every single moment is an opportunity to actually build our faith and our trust that God is faithful, that God is good. And it's not until we go through some bumps and scratches and scrapes and we lose things and we find ourselves in that position going, wow, how did I find myself here? God, I really, really, really need you. It's not until we hit that moment and we lean in, we have an opportunity to lean in to him that we actually get to experience what we call faith. Because faith is something that is earned. It's acquired and it's found on the journey of life. Yeah. 
And I want to encourage you, wherever you are today, whatever's happening in your life, don't give up. Yes, that's right. Don't give up. God has given you opportunity after opportunity. And everything that you face, everything that's pushing back against you, actually is an opportunity Come for on. you to build more faith. Yeah. To get to the place that says, no, he's going to follow through. I have complete trust and confidence in who he is. Paul's interesting. I want to talk about his life for just a minute. But Paul, if you, if you look at the Bible, he had four different what we would call missionary journeys. He has this radical moment where he meets Jesus and his whole life changes. And then if you read through the book of Acts and much of the New Testament, you're going to find that he had four different what we call missionary journeys. He was sent out and he went and he ministered, planted churches. He helped establish churches, encourage people. And then he would come back and he would base camp. And then he'd go out again. On his fourth journey, which was his last journey, he makes a mention of this in Romans 15. I want to read this for you. It's, um, I find it quite interesting. In Romans 15, 23 through 25. I don't know if you have this one. I'm going to read it here. No. You do have it. You're good. Okay. But now, he says this. This is Paul in Romans. He says this. Getting ready to go on his fourth missionary journey. But now, I finished my work in these regions. I've done three journeys, right? After all of these long years of waiting... I'm so eager to visit you. I'm planning to go to Spain. Anyone else want to go to Spain? Yes. Yeah, yeah me too. I'm planning on going to Spain. And when I do, I'm going to have a brief stop off in Rome. And after I've enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can help provide for my journey. But before I come, I first must go to Jerusalem to take gifts to the believers. Paul lists out his travel plans for what we call journey number four. And I love this. Paul's heart, his hope was to get to the beaches in Spain. Lord knows he was going to the beaches in Spain, right? He wanted to go to nice warm weather on the Mediterranean, yeah. enjoy it. So it's like, hey, here's my travel plans. Here's what I have set out to do. Here's what I feel like God lead me to do. And he actually even says that in different verses. I'm going to go to Spain. I'm headed to the beaches in Spain. But first, I have to go to Jerusalem. Then I'll have a stop off in Rome. It's going to be really great. We're going to have some good times together. You can provide for my needs. And then I'm going to finally finish my journey in Spain. That's what Paul set out to do. But if you read the book of Acts, chapter 23, all the way through the very finish of that book, you're going to find this, that that is what he set out to do. That is not what happened. Like his hope was to just go to Spain, stop in Jerusalem, and have a quick stop off in Rome to enjoy his time with his friends. But this is the, the thing we, I love about the book of Acts, is you actually get to read what happened in the book of Acts. And what happened was, if you start reading in chapter 23, you're going to find is that he made his way to Jerusalem. He incites a riot. He gets beaten up, he gets you know, attacked by a mob, thrown into jail, he gets whipped. Then they decide, hey, we're going we're gonna to put you on trial. So they go to put him on trial, but then there's this whole group of people who want to murder him. So they move him from there to Caesarea. Then he's left in a jail in Caesarea for two years. Wow. Two wow. years with no charges listed to his name. And at, that, at some point, I would say probably in Caesarea, I would be thinking to myself, all I wanted to do was go to the beaches in Spain. Yeah. That's all I wanted. That's what I was hoping for. A, a quick drop off in Rome, but I wanted to make it to the beaches yeah. in Spain. And he finds himself in a prison cell with no charges, which means no light at the end of the tunnel, no, no sentence to serve. He's absolutely stuck in Caesarea. So he gets frustrated. This is, this is the final chapters of Acts. In there, he appeals to Caesar, because the only way to get to Rome, which is the next place on this journey, was to appeal to Caesar. So he appeals to Caesar, and they said, fine, off to the boats for you. That's where you're going to head. So they put him on a boat, and now you find in chapter 27 of, of the book of Acts, and I'm going to go there because I want to look at this today. What you find is in, in chapter 27, all of a sudden it says here, Paul's going to send out the ship. And they had this travel plan. But at this point, Paul's probably understanding that whatever he has set out for a travel plan won't work. 
and they said, here's the travel plan, is we're going to leave from Caesarea, and we're just going to go across the north coast of the Mediterranean, we're going to stop off at a few places, let Paul say hi to his friends, and make our way to Rome, and hey, you know what, in, in a month or two's time, you'll be in Rome, it'll be no big deal. And I'm sure Paul was thinking, man, this is finally the moment in which everything's going to click. I can get to Rome, we'll figure this all out, and then the beaches in Spain. That's yeah. where we're headed, is the beaches in Spain. So he goes, and it's interesting that if you read the story, it's one of my favorite stories in Acts chapter 27. It's Paul sails to Rome. And what you find in this is that they had scheduled these stops, and they, had, they were going to meet at all these different ports. They put them on a ship. There's actually 276 people on this ship that are listed, some of them prisoners, some of them working on the ship, some of them working in the Roman guard. And they set off. And as soon as they set off, if you read the travel plans, it actually says, like, all of a sudden, a wind came up. And you start hearing words like this. And this might describe your life. With great difficulty against us, we were sheltered, but then all of a sudden we struggled, and with great difficulty, a wind came. We had lost so much time, and all of a sudden we found ourselves in a dangerous place. This wind came up and kept pushing them south and south and south. Although they were set to go north, the wind continued to push them off course. Come on. Or maybe on course. We don't know. But it kept pushing them south and further south and further south. And they get to the place where all of a sudden they, they get this one place um, that was a New Haven. It was like they didn't want to winter there. It was a bad place to winter. And they're thinking, I don't want to, I, I don't want to settle for this. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in that position where you're like, all of a sudden you set out. God spoke to you. Where you set out to like, hey, I'm going to pursue this career. I'm going to pursue this family. I'm going to do this thing. And you set a course for yourself only to find out that... All, that a slight wind turns into a hurricane in your life. Wow. Everything falls apart and everything starts breaking apart. And then you find yourself about a month late. You find yourself all behind in a place that you don't want to be. And you're thinking to yourself, um, I'm going to have to reassess the, what's happening here. Yeah. Like, God, you're not very good at following through on your travel plans. Yeah. Yet Paul's now two and a half years into this journey. And at this point, I'm sure he's going, well, what happens, happens. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And they find themselves in New Haven. And Paul says, we should just winter here. Like, this is too dangerous for us. It's not smart to go on. But circumstances outside of Paul, the people who are actually in charge of him, because he's still in captivity, he's still underneath Roman guard, all of a sudden they decide, well, we don't like this place. We're going to continue on so we can find a nicer place to winter before we move on, because they've lost their winter. So they get on the boat, and all of a sudden, everything was going good for about a half a day. Sounds like our life. Everything is going good for about a half a day. And then a small light breeze turned into a massive storm and pushed them so hard. In fact, in this storm, they started throwing things overboard. They started with the gear. They tossed the gear overboard like, hey, we realize that if we are pushed down into the water, we're going to start to hit stuff that we don't know. So in order to save themselves, they start throwing things overboard. They start with the gear. They throw all the gear overboard. And they're thinking, man, this is, this is, like, this is absolutely going to kill us. And the weather continued to push and push into a place where they got super afraid and they were doing depth readings and they were like, oh no, we're, we're getting closer and closer. And so they're trying to lighten the boat and so they did everything that they could. The gear goes over. Then all of a sudden they realized, hey, the next thing to go over is our lifeboats. Some people were going to leave and try and escape in the storm. They, no joke, they took, they cut the ropes and they let the lifeboats just float away. You can only imagine if you're on that ship thinking to yourself, we're going to need those. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm going to need that at some point. Yeah. But they were so fierce. They were so afraid. They cut, they cut those. 
And they were driven by the sea, driven by the sea over and over again. It says gale force winds continued to battle the ship so much that what they did is they dropped their sails, they went inside, and they just prayed. Wow. And they said, there's nothing else we can do, which means wherever the, wherever the storm drives us is where we're going to end up. There was no more I'm in control. No wow. more we've got this handled. No more I think we can do it. At this point, everything completely falls, and they're desperate. They get to a place where they drop four anchors all at the back of the boat. They drop four anchors so they could slow them down as much as possible in this storm. And it says this, is that they threw the four anchors at the back of the ship. They went down, and they prayed for daylight. That was what they did. That was their whole plan, is just pray for daylight. This is the first time it actually mentions that the people on the trip, on the ship, prayed. It wasn't until it got completely desperate that they actually pursued God and said, we need you more than anything. It's amazing to see is that there's like a life lesson in here for us. Is that we set out on a course. And for most of us, when we have dreams and we start to think about what we're going to do with our life or think about the person we're going to marry or think about what we're going to do in our career or how we're going to raise our kids or or, or how we're even going to finish our life. We have these ideas. For most of us, our ideas are just beaches in Spain. That's all I want to do, is make it to the beach in Spain. I just want to make it to retirement. I just want to get my kids out of the house. Or, hey, I just want to, I just want to marry well. I want to get a good career. And we have these ideas. But as all of a sudden we start to pursue life and move forward, what happens? A small wind turns into a gale force wind. We find ourselves over and over readjusting our plans, readjusting what we think we could do with our lives, and we end up throwing things overboard, and we lose things all the time. And there's a moment in each and every one of our lives where it's like, hey, listen, I'm cool with just losing some gear. But the moment you have to lose a lifeboat, in fact, after the lifeboats, they're trying to lighten it so much, they had some food, and they decided to throw the rest of the grain and food overboard. At that point, I know exactly what that feels like. It's like when you're sitting in the bear stand and the bear's hunting you. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to die here. Yeah. The moment you're throwing all your food overboard, you're thinking, I just put a clock on my time. And their very last ditch effort, actually, is when the sun comes up, they can kind of see land. And what they do is they actually cut off all four anchors on the boat. At that point, if you're a boat and you have no anchors, you have no way to stop yourself. You've already determined that you're done. It's over. I'm finished. And they lost absolutely everything through this. What started out as a beautiful, simple journey all of a sudden turned into a life. And there, there is a life message in this. Sure, this is the story of Paul. But for each and every one of us, when we look at our life, it's a good possibility that you can identify when you started having to change your travel plans. Yeah. And this is what I set out to do when I was a kid. I always desired to do this. But then life happened, and I had to change it to this. And then I got to this place, and that wasn't working out, and this storm happened, and this person made a decision for me. And all of a sudden, you find yourself, year after year, drifting to a place that you're thinking, God, are you even here? Paul's hope is that he would visit Jerusalem, have a stop off in Rome, and then make it to Spain. Yet he finds himself on the southern coast or the southern, southern part of the Mediterranean, actually even at the African coast, thinking, God, are you even here? Like, that wasn't the plan. This wasn't supposed to happen. And not only is this life lesson for Paul, it's actually a life lesson for us. And what we find in the life of Paul is that if Paul was waiting to make it to Spain, he 
he would have missed the entire journey. If he was waiting until like all of a sudden, well, I didn't make it to Spain, therefore I didn't have enough faith. He would have missed the whole journey of faith along the whole way. Yet Paul, in each and every place, each and every setback, each and every time that he got pushed again and he, the, the plans didn't succeed and somebody else made a decision that changed his life, he found himself in a place for another opportunity to grow his faith. Yeah. And what you can see is in the life of Paul, not the people around him, but in the life of Paul, he continues to see every one of these things as an opportunity to faith. And he's leading the people around him. He's speaking to people on the boat. Hey, we need to cry out to God. I believe that God, you know, God has told us that no one will perish. And, and this is what we need to do. And he actually continues to lean in through all of the bad stuff. Knowing that this is not the original plan for Paul. Knowing that this is the plan he set out to do. But at this point, they're not on plan B or C. They're like on plan F or D. Like, or F or Q. Like they're in the middle of nowhere thinking, God, are you still here? Yeah. Yet Paul continued to see God in each and every circumstance. If Paul would have waited for the destination of Spain to say, God, do a work, he would have missed the entire journey. Because God was actually trying to do something the entire time. And my hope for you and I today is to recognize is that God's not waiting for you to arrive somewhere. He wants to connect with you on the journey. He wants to build faith on the journey. Each and every day when you wake up and there's a new setback, that's when he wants to meet you. He's not waiting for you to impress him. He's not waiting for you to all of a sudden figure it out and show up and be like, you arrived, you did it, you did everything you set out to do. Now I love you. He's actually with us in every single moment right. of every single day. And sometimes the gentle winds that turn into hurricanes might actually be from him to give us an opportunity to lean into him, to trust him. That's right. It's interesting. Scholars actually believe that Paul never made it to Spain. He died in Rome. Yet Paul, in his writings, says that he finished the race well. Paul hoped to get to Spain. But he realized that actually he got everything that the Lord had for him and he never made it there. Because what God had for him was on the journey. It wasn't about a destination and finishing a certain place. I remember the moments in my life looking back where I gave my heart to Jesus and I said, man, I, I want to live for you. And, and I feel like I'm at a place where I have no hope. I don't know what to, I don't know what to believe and I don't know what to hold on to. Just like the people on the ship all of a sudden came to a place where it says they had lost all hope of survival. All hope. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, I've lost all hope. I've lost hope in a career. I've lost hope in, in a family. I've lost hope in the promises of God. I've lost hope in these things. It's in that moment when we lose everything that we reach out to a good God and he will continue to be faithful on the journey, even if the journey goes in a direction that you didn't think it would go. He is faithful. And I remember the moment in my life where I gave my heart to Jesus and all of a sudden I remember this feeling of like, man, I want to do anything for you and I would go anywhere. I don't care what the destination is. And I remember this season of my life where it's like I felt like I was throwing the gear off the boats getting rid of all the gear. It's like, I remember I got saved. I started getting rid of CDs and books. And I remember I would look at my friend, I, I'd assess my friends and say, some of the friends I had, I, I didn't need. Like they wouldn't be good for me. And I remember I had to give things up and I walked away from certain opportunities and I walked away from things. And I remember that season where I first met Jesus and it was like, all right, I'm willing to give everything up for you. I gave my books, my CDs, some friendships. I gave all of these things to you. And then life got harder. And there came a moment in my own walk where I remember I was 15 years old, actually. I was in China. I remember, I remember I felt like the Lord spoke to me and, and gave me an opportunity to cut the lifeboats in my life. The other options 
the options that I'd held on to. And I knew I was either going to go to the college I wanted, or I was going to go to the college I felt like the Lord was leading me to. I wanted to be a paramedic, and that was something I always wanted to do. And come to find out, I go green whenever I see blood, so <laughs> you wouldn't want me to be your paramedic. <laughs> I want to be a paramedic. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and said, no, I want you to be a pastor. I'm thinking to myself, are you sure? Are you sure you know what you're doing? And I remember the moment that the Lord gave me an invitation to not just get away, to get, get the gear off the boat, but to actually get to a place where I cut the lifeboats and I said, I'm willing to get rid of all my other options. I'm going to go with the one option that you have for me. And I'm going to pursue this. I remember the decision I made. I felt like the Lord drew a line in the sand and said, your choice. Are you going to follow me or are you going to live for yourself? I said, no, God, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. I remember that key and specific moment. But I also remember a moment years later in which the next thing to throw off the boat came up. And that was all my food, my resource, my provision. The moment I was, I was able to make a decision where I felt like the Lord says, okay, so you're all in. But the question is, but is your, is your provision, is your money, is everything that you own and everything that you are on the line as well? Because I had given them my all. But now... There was like a new, a, new, a new ask. Am I willing to actually give them everything? Like all my money, all my stuff, everything. And I remember the decision I had. I said, I'll do it. And I was in college at the time, which was a whole lot easier. But I remember taking all that I had and I went and I gave it. And I remember having nothing and said, there, I did it. I threw the grain overboard. And I also remember decision in my life where I'd given up my gear, I'd given up my lifeboats, I'd given up all the provision, I'd given up all the things, the opportunities that I had. And there came a moment where I had my anchors down and I was still holding on to safety. And I remember this is before I moved to Ireland back in probably 2013, where I felt like the Lord gave me another choice. Like, I know you're all in, but are you willing to cut the anchors? Are you willing to cut all the anchors and run, run as a boat that's completely free. Go away from your home, your family. And let me lead and guide you. And I remember the moment my wife and I were talking. We said, we're going to do this. And there was a decision. Because I was all in when I got saved. And I was all in when I, I cut the lifeboat. I was all in when I threw the provisions overboard. But then this was like a whole new all in. Come to find out this life of faith just continues to get better and better. I remember cutting the, cutting the anchors and saying, okay, God, now I'm all in. Now I'm all in. Completely free to give you everything. The point is on this journey of faith that we're in, there's a new opportunity every day to go deeper. A new opportunity to trust more. To not just trust him with your life, your soul, but to trust him now with your choices and your career and the decisions that you make and the things that you walk away from in life. Then there comes a moment where you get to actually decide to operate in faith where you say, now I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you all of my choice. I'm going to give you my, my vacation time to go and to serve. I'm going to give you all of me and my time and my evenings and my, my weekends. I'm going to give you all of my resources. I'm going to give you all my provision, everything in me now. Now you have that. And then there comes a moment where you realize, I'm still stuck until I cut those last things in my life, those anchors that are in my life, the things that I'm holding on to, and I'm willing to actually be completely free in Jesus. Band, if you're willing to come down.
My question for you today is where are you at on the journey of faith? Are you still dreaming of the beaches in Spain? Thinking, if I get saved and I give my heart to Jesus, it's just, it's all going to work out. Everything will be so perfect and God's just going to bless me and he's got, he's got a plan for me and everything's just going to work out. And if I say yes to Jesus, it'll all just go easy. Are you at a place where you've thrown the gear overboard, you gave your heart to Jesus and you said, listen, I'm, I'm willing to walk away from all of the things, all of the things that I've, I've held on to and all the things that, that, that I want to do and all of the, the, the choices I want to make. Are you at a place where the Lord's maybe asking you to cut a lifeboat today? It says, I've had several options. I'm either going to go all out for God or I'm going to pursue this career and I know it'll take me away. Or I'm going to pursue this relationship that I know will pull me away. Maybe you're in a place where you're all in. But you just actually haven't dedicated and given all of your resource to him. You get to a place that says, God, you own everything. You own every dollar in my bank account. You own every asset that I have. You own every, every kid. You own everything. Everything that belongs to me is absolutely 100% yours and for your use. Now I'm all in. 